0: Country. country podcast edition
1: <laughs> i've always been around great songwriters and artists my whole life i'm michael knox welcome to my world hey what's up everybody this is jason Dean, and you are listening to my boy michael knox on knox country
0: podcast
1: welcome to the knox country syndicated radio show podcast we are here with rob hatch 2014 csec songwriter of the year now me and you go back a long time a very long time
2: i want to hear this story
1: well, what's the history <laughs> we met each other i mean i don't know exactly where we met but it was a wild horse let's uh, see it was i moved here in 2001 i guess it was and
0: uh, i was living with jared neiman and i uh, needed a job and they had a family job bartending at the wild horse saloon so <laughs> i was there probably two and a half years before uh before i had anything happening and um Michael would go in there, he was, Al Dean was playing in there quite a bit back then, and Michael was working with Jason, and he was running chapel at the time, Warner Chapel, and uh, we got to be buddies, and he's like, man, I like you, I like you, give me some songs, man, so I'd play him some songs, give him some songs, and he's like, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to sign you, I'm going to sign you one day, and a few months went by, and I was like, Michael, what's going on, man, he's like, well, dude, <laughs> he goes, well, I could sign you, But I think they're fixing to fire me. (laughs) (laughs) And they did.
1: So, uh, so he saved me, in, in a way. No, no, but he, he was down there during all the, you know, Rob was the bartender down there during all the Jason Aldean showcases That's we right. would do for the record labels. That's right. Mike would leave me
0: huge tips even after that. I think just because he felt bad because he couldn't see.
1: Well, right when I found out I was getting fired, I left bigger tips <laughs> on my expense account.
0: There you go. <laughs> <laughs> That's what happened. I knew. Wow, it
1: went from $10 to $100 this week. I this knew. Is I awesome. All it I ordered like a was a Red there Bull. For, <laughs> there
0: for a few months.
1: Thank <laughs> Thank you, Warner a <laughs> <laughs> At Wild Horse, you had Low Cash and Jason. Dude, I, I did. I did. Low Cash was uh,
0: doing the line dance lessons, and Jason was the house band, and uh, we were all hanging out in there all the time. I think that was all of our hangout. I think it was too. It was all. Of my, I was riding with a crew of guys: Jamie Johnson and Randy Hauser and Jared Neiman and. Uh, Lee Bryce and and all those guys, Dallas Davidson, and uh, we so they were all hanging out at the Wild Horse to get free drinks from me.
1: Yeah, but that's and, where the, uh, that's where I met Lee and Jared Neiman. Also, was down at, at sure. hanging out at the Wild Horse in that back bar, the back bar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, so that's where everybody was hanging out. Back but that's then. because it was
0: your bar. Well, they were drinking free and you were tipping really big, <laughs> so it so kind of evened out. So we out. hope
2: no one from Warner Chapel or the Wild Horse is listening.
1: Well, right. Yeah. See, we uh, they're they're cool with it now. I think. Yeah, because nobody is at the Wild Horse that was there when I no, was there. No, that's and, been, we're, uh, we're
0: we're old. And the now only person it. at
1: Warner Chapel is my old intern Ben Vaughn, who runs the company now. See, he already knew then. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, because he went down there with us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's awesome, dude. So tell that transition. Like, like, you were down there. You were at the Wild Horse. Now, did Jared and them help you? get your first deal did they because those guys started getting record deals
0: yeah they did well jared was the first guy i met in town uh my first day in town matter of fact so uh we ended up living together for five years so jared pretty much taught me the music business i had no idea i was so green i had no idea what a publishing deal was or a a record deal or how it worked or how to get one or how to learn how to do this i had no clue so uh, jared pretty much taught me how to write songs and put me through the phd course of diving into it and what they were about and what we were trying to do and
1: now back then jared was a cowboy
0: he sure was had a big black stetson cowboy <laughs> hat on. come on singing keith whitley songs and lefty Sale songs and yeah 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 he was killing first time i heard him sing i was like holy smokes i'm on that guy's team did you have cuts on his first record i did his first record uh shoot man what all did he have on that thing we had uh the Lover Lover record What I was on that one Now I love that single I love that single too That broke him We uh, They were looking for something To really blow it up And he showed up with this song He's like It's an old Sonya Dada song or he, We're like yeah. what? He's like yeah but Check it out when I do it And it was just You know He was, he was on fire after that Yeah that was good uh, I guess Shining on Me Was on that
2: record
1: mm-hmm. and, uh, It Don't Matter Anymore It Don't Matter Anymore Sure Beach Baby See?
0: See? Now Slazy? shining
1: now shining on me, I know. Um uh who all'd you write that with? Uh that was me and Lee and Jared and uh Lance. We were uh
0: we were out on a road trip with Lee, I guess, and we crossed paths somewhere with Jared and he was having a number one party at Billy Bob's in Fort Worth. Yeah. For uh for the first one. Uh, lover, Lover. Lover, Lover. Yeah. And uh, so we all hopped on the bus together and ended up heading that way and met the other tour. We, one of them was doing the Brad Paisley show and uh, we sat on the bus during the Brad Paisley show and uh, came up with Shining on Me. So something
1: had to pay for our trip. So you went straight from being down at the bartender Yes. to jumping on tour buses.
0: Well, it, it was close. We um, There was a time there that... Um, we didn't really have much going on and um jamie johnson being all aggravated about it he said man he said uh let's just do it ourselves and i go i have no idea what you're talking about but okay we'll do whatever you want so somebody had got him a uh a storage unit full of furniture (laughs) i don't know for refinishing a house or something and um, he said he could probably pawn it for a little bit of money and get us an office downtown we'll just get us an office and, on Music Row and write so he did we got the cheapest place we could find was UA Tower back before it burnt down so <laughs> yeah so Jared <laughs> it'd Neiman been, it'd myself, been cheaper
1: after it burnt down
0: way cheaper <laughs> and uh, Jared Neiman and uh, and Jamie and I went into the office and the, we told him we needed a room two writers rooms we needed we were going to have space to be able to work two groups at one time. And um, they said, uh, well, what do we want to call it? we said, well, just put all our names on the door. And they said, no, nah, too many names, not enough room. Jamie said, just call it the trailer park. And then when he did, the guy who was the, the doing the bookkeeping or whatever it was spelled it wrong, T-R-A-L-E-R, <laughs> on the thing. So that's what they put on the door, T-R-A-L-E-R, trailer park on the door. And I almost lost my mind. I'm like, we're writers for Christ's sake. You can't spell the name of the, the You can't even spell it right on the door. Um, but but that kind of goes with the name. If you'll look on the side of Jamie's tour buses and
1: his airplane, it still says Trader Park Incorporated spelled wrong. That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. So did you write a lot with um, Jamie back then? I mean, were you part of his first records? We did. The first
0: record we did, um, the five of us wrote, I think... We were on every song but one, I think, on Jamie's first record. Um, So, yeah, we spent a year doing a lot of that. And Jamie was getting action, and Randy was starting to get action, and Jared, all of them, and um, Lee. And uh, people started wondering who we were. So I signed my first deal at BMG shortly after we started doing the trailer part. You know what year that was? Man, now you're pushing it. Let's see. I got here one, two, three, four... (laughs) I'd say five and six, maybe.
1: Yeah, so Jason just came out.
0: Jason just came out. I'd actually known Jason um, from when I was in college. I played on this band on uh, called Paul Rogers and Southern Sky, and we played this place called DJ Chaps in Gainesville, Florida on Friday nights, and there was a band called Young Guns Oh Lord. from South Georgia that would play on Saturday nights. So I actually had met Jason and Justin Weaver. I was about to say, Weaver
2: was, was part of
0: yeah, it. Yeah, with Justin, and I wrote together at BMG later. And uh, so I knew those guys back when I was first learning how to play was,
1: You think they still have those big belt buckles? And You know they do. <laughs> <laughs> you
0: know they do. I mean, Jason's is all gold-plated now. Platinum. Triple
1: platinum. How do you triple platinum <laughs> a belt buckle? Uh, <laughs> all right, well, let's talk about your first number one. Verse number one. If heaven wasn't so far away, and Justin Moore, right? It absolutely save
0: my ass. Yeah. In what way? I had nothing going on. I had um, We actually wrote that song before I had a publishing deal, before my first publishing deal. So Dallas or myself, Dallas Davidson and um, Brett Jones, the three of us were on that song. And um, I was still bartending. I think Dallas might have been waiting tables and trying to get a deal with Brett and he was the only one who was a big hit writer at the time so we got together at this place in town this publishing company uh pat finch was running at the time because he was talking about signing me and um we got together both of those guys are from georgia so the Clinch river and such as that the um you know i still own the old truck that was my grandfather's that he had that was in my backyard and you know we we knocked it out uh mostly that first day we might have got together one more time over at Brett's house but um funny the song sat around for seven years um Red Akins was a friend of Dallas's and he had played it for him and red loved the song and uh he was talking about getting another record deal at the time and started singing that song out and Joe Galante was running the label at the time at uh was it BNA at the time or RCA or I forget what it was and um Sony RCA, yeah. Sony RCA. And um, they signed Rhett, and I think that was going to be the first singles. They did a little video, and then shortly after, Galante uh, moved on to another gig, and they cleared out some of their roster. So fast forward seven years, Jeremy Stover's producing the Justin Moore record. And I guess they had Small Town USA was the first one, so it set the charts. and was They were looking for the next single and learned some of this from Stover, the producer, later. And um, he had turned in most of the record and they didn't love, they didn't think they had the next single anyway. So Stover's at home going through YouTube or going through the internet looking and finds a version of Rhett singing If Heaven Went so Far Away from seven years before that. And he calls me about midnight and he says, man, how high did that song go? Well, Rhett, I said he didn't go anywhere, didn't get a chance, didn't go anywhere at all. He said, are you sure? I'm like, I get the checks. I'm pretty sure he didn't go anywhere. <laughs> Hi, guys. I'm Rob Hatch, and you're listening to Knox Country.
2: Podcast.
0: Okay, I'll, I'll call you tomorrow. So he calls back with Borchetta, and they set a time to go back in and cut the song and put it out a few weeks later. So with all the planning and strategy and everything we do, it was completely i had nothing to do with the connection of putting that together yeah but, that, but that's
1: crazy man yeah. seven years later seven years later
2: and a random youtube viewing
1: and it absolutely
0: feels like his song it feels like it was mm-hmm. always his song when he does it it's amazing he still closes shows with it when i can see him do it it just kills me every time
1: yeah i'm mean, but but were y'all still writing on a regular basis seven years later
0: we were we were all still doing we were all still pumping it away so i got very fortunate that we wrote it early it was on the schedule a of my first publishing deal so i was able to own more of it <laughs> thanks to uh you know brett being willing to write with us back <laughs> before we had anything going
1: on so what what happened in that seven-year period i mean you didn't have a number one so mm-hmm. did, were you getting some other cuts was,
0: yeah we had uh well, i was with a company called bmg for two years and then i was with a Keith Steagle and Warner Chapel for a year. And I signed with a company called uh, Broken Bow or Magic Mustang. I was there for eight years. And uh, now I'm with a company called Cobalt. Just did a new deal and catalog deal with them. But uh, so we were still riding. That was that was kind of a surprise. That one snuck up on us. The uh, We were focused more on our buddies at that point. Uh, you know, Randy and Lee and Jamie, Jared, those guys.
1: Yeah, well, speaking of Randy, you, um, you're second number one was Night kiss it was yeah that's was. awesome now that to me on that record there what i think they had three singles off that album or something like that that one man just came off addicting and like that ready. that course hits and it's just you're hooked you know
0: man a lot of that a lot of that was randy a lot of it he uh he had called me on like a thursday or friday it's like hey man he goes uh i go in the studio on Monday, and I don't know that I got all the songs for the record, you know? Well, come on by, buddy. Maybe we can fill up (laughs) with something, you know? So uh, he comes by, and we're sitting around. I had this little tiny writer's room over on Lynn Drive, this other house we used to live in. I step outside to have a smoke. I'm gone 10 minutes, and he walks out, and he says, man, I I think I might have something cool. All right, Step back inside, and he literally plays the entire first verse. He just or the first half of the first verse, anyway, just knocks it out. He's like, man, is that any good? <laughs> and I'm grinning ear to ear. And I'm like, yeah, man, that's real good. Let so, me fix it <laughs> a little bit. Uh, and then we uh... were waiting on Sellers to show up anyway, and uh, Jason Sellers showed up, and we probably only wrote on it three or four hours, and we felt when we left that we had something special. So you never really know, but when we heard... Kills we, it. when oh, he kills it. So, just so he, He's one of the is,
1: sleeper best singers in town
0: he is one of my favorite voices of all time he's been knocking me out for years and years and i could listen to him sing anything
1: now did he he
2: sang that uh when you won that songwriter of the year didn't he perform that that night i I remember that's what i remember
0: from that night he's he's my brother he uh you know we i i love him those guys are uh you know they i don't know how we would have got here without without those guys those uh they
1: there who helped me learn how to do this but R- randy hauser Night kiss like to me that that kind of put him at a different place you know he he had boots on he had some other things but that one was that commercial just slam
0: sure sure he had a, he was on fire there It's still on fire of course but he had that on that record he had some that were just boom 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 and you know the songs were super commercial and he sang amazing and, and and you know, it was the right time, right place. And uh, I'm just really proud to be part of those songs, you know. I, I
1: I still love them. So you're sitting there, man, you got you got your two number ones. You know, you you've been in town what, probably eight years. Maybe? Well, mine
0: was ten years. They told me it was a ten year town. I'm like, nah, ten year town. My first <laughs>
1: number one was
0: exactly at ten years. Yeah, that's great you know great for you great for the story wasn't great for me
1: (laughs) (laughs) i thought it was tragic well that's what we look for we look for people that takes 10 years of misery to be on (laughs) the show that's right gotta get beat up enough (laughs) so after that i mean i'm sure your phone was ringing off the hook i mean this is two number ones in a very short time you know I mean, I mean, was that really elevating you, or were you still in a very competitive? Well, it, you know, it changes. We
0: were during that year. We were really focused on writing with our friends there at the time. So you kind of get locked into a zone when you have their attention, and you're getting to write a lot for them because they're just super busy and they're gone all the time, and they got kids, and you know, so their their time becomes less and less and less. So that year, things just worked out where we had a lot of their time.
1: Did you like? Um... You like the team? I, you know,
0: it, yes, I love the team. But there, it's, everything's a different team. Every artist is a different team. They're all they're like custom suits. They're different objectives. They're trying to do different things and sell to different people in a different markets. Some want radio. Some don't. Some are worried about the live shows. They're all writing for a different thing. They have different skills, different things to show off, things different things to hide. Yeah, they're you know, so the same songs won't work with the same. You know, they're all custom made.
1: When did you see that kind of coming into effect? Because I saw the town kind of, you have know, the Peach Pickers. Sure. Then you got like the crew of guys I always went to for Jason. Sure. You, I mean, when did you see that being something pretty relevant? Because in the 90s and early 2000s, it was it was more kind of about the songwriter. Sure. And then it turned into no, no, no. This is th- this is mine. Sure, it took you know. I never
0: could find a thing that was if I do this, all the artists will want to do it, because it, they're all completely different. So the more artists I got to know and got to work with them intimately, I got I was like oh. That song would never work for them. They could never sing that. They, you know, every little thing that changes about their life are they married? Are they not married? Do they drink? Do they not drink? Are they, you know, there's all these different scenarios that the same phrase won't work. It's just impossible. won't make any sense.
1: Yeah. But that's the sign of a real artist. The one that, that's right. The one that I call it the Dwight Yoakum thing. That's right. You know, Dwight can make songs work for him that are, might be an average song if you just hear it but when he takes it you're like holy crap that's incredible originals yeah that that's incredible so 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 that was kind of a big change going on in your generation of songwriting where these big writing teams started popping up and these guys who lived in the trenches coming out of the 90s of all this artist success sure now it's like no no we're here too
0: Sure. And when the, the artist is out playing 200 dates a year, I mean, they want something to say about what they're going to sing. I completely agree with them. Yeah. I mean, they're watching their fan base every day. They day. they're They're they know that what they don't want to sing. This is what I need. This is what will work in my show. This is what will work on radio for me. This is what my
1: label likes. How relevant is um, A&R these days in that process? In the 90s, it was all A&R. Like, a- A&R people were legends. Nowadays, it's kind of almost in producer world. Or it's in actually the songwriter having a bigger say or something. I mean sure. I mean what's your A and R process these days? It depends on the artist.
0: But it seems each artist kinda of has their own way of doing it. Either it'll be an artist who does have an A and R person who that's who they look to find their stuff. Or their producer finds their stuff. Or their prolific writer. Or they have writers come to them. Or yeah. they're, you know. But every artist has a completely different process. It just depends on you know, what they're looking to do. Knox Country Podcast Edition.
1: <laughs> Some of you know me as a record producer for acts like Jason Aldean and Thomas Red. Others know me as the son of rock and roll legend Buddy Knox, party doll fame back in 1957. I'm Michael Knox. Welcome to my world. You're listening to Knox Country Podcast. Hey, this is Keith Urban. What's up, y'all? It's your boys here, Florida Georgia Line. Hey, this, this is Little Big Town.
0: And you're listening to Knox Country. You've entered Knox
1: Country. Welcome back to the Knox Country podcast.
2: Now do y'all find that the whole idea of these teams is that starting to loosen up? Do you think or is it becoming a little bit tighter? Or because I'm I'm seeing a lot more songwriters that I've never you know heard from before. Sure. You know, so it's like how do they, you know, get in there? So I was just wondering if you saw that sort of loosening a little bit.
0: You know, it changes. It Artists find things they like. Artists become fans of different writers and a thing they do. So by nature, they want to hear more of that thing. So if you're trying to get on that artist, you want some of that guy that that artist likes. Yeah. So, you know, it's just a matter of if somebody's doing what is working, they're just going to keep doing it.
1: And the other trick is is how successful the artist gets. Well, if right. the artist hits, their team gets really relevant. That's right. If, the if artist they
0: don't work so much, they're going to redo their team. They're gonna say okay let's try these four or five writers or say some artists are really good songwriters and they know what they want to say they'll find people who talk like them phrase like them have the same ideas pictures of where they're from because they they grew up the same they understand when I say this thing they picture the same thing I do it's it's a it's they understand each other easier what they're trying to do so you just find people that those things i mean when jason and michael found each other they found the perfect combination of what helped each other here's what i want to work with and here's what i want to work with and yeah. that's the combination that's hard to find so when you find a combination like that
1: you'll you'll tend you'll yeah it's very hard Keep to it leave close. It. yeah well and, and plus he, he's an extension of what what i wished i could do you know and 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 leading into that um Lee Bryce is kind of that with you a little bit, I guess, as an artist. Sure, you know that uh, you get a lot of Lee Bryce. You get a few Lee Bryce cuts. We
0: write a lot of songs together. I'm, I'm a super fan of
1: his. I'm a super fan
0: of all the people that I write with. They're, you know, each person's in the room doing a different, a different thing and a different superpower that they bring to the table.
1: Now, his cut you've had on his his single is probably your biggest cut, right? It's probably been the biggest. Tell us yet. a little bit about that. Um, and the song the song because i don't dance
0: um i wrote that song with uh, a buddy by mr dallas Davidson, and yeah. lee um, we yeah, but actually, that's a
1: huge song dude
0: thank you bud it is one of my favorites it is uh, we started one night at uh, dallas's house uh, the old house he had had a little pool in the back and we all got together for dinner one night and after dinner the subject got brought up and i think we had a little too much to drink That night, so we had to get
1: back together the next day and tweak at it some more. (laughs) But uh, but that one won. ACM. Single of the year, one single of the year. So that that just means you don't get to get on stage. That's what it means. Now, see, we were up for song of the year or ACM and CMAs, but we didn't win. But you won the one where he got to get up on stage. Well,
0: see, that's all that I care about.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. just here. To, I can I'm tell here it's, for the artist. It's a non-bitter situation. It is. It is. I'm here for the artist. I just want to make them look good. <laughs> but dude, I mean, but that's when I first saw that, and and then and then, but Lee won that a couple of years in a row, I believe, um, at the ACM Yeah, he did. But yeah. guy, I man. I mean, but that song resonated so strong; it was crazy.
0: Thank you, man. It's the I've written a lot of songs. Most of them are probably crappy, um, but that's the only one I can really remember where we wrote the first chorus and the first verse. in Lee's lack. Like, "There it
1: is, boys. That's the one. That's gonna be the title track. That's gonna be what I'm gonna put out. That's the song." But you got to feel that in the middle of the co-write, where you're writing and you're like, "Man, we're explaining this right." Well, you feel something special, but we've also train wrecked enough second verses to know we could have still driven it in a ditch. (laughs) But isn't it funny, man? It's that second verse. Sure. The second verse is the make or break. It's the, you know,
0: where does the story go? Where do you, how can you pull it together? How does it, you surprise
1: them in a new way. I put more songs on hold at the end of the first course Mm -hmm. and called them back at the end of the second verse and said, man, it (laughs)
0: see i it, it just
1: didn't it just didn't pay off i, I don't, I've been treating you wrong. <laughs> I need
0: to just write the second verse <laughs> send it in go you like this second hard on Howard Stoss. do you like this verse <laughs> all right I'll finish it I'll go ahead if you like this verse
2: but that is and you know a lot of new songwriters or whatever they don't realize you know that you have to you can't just get them on the hook. you have to finish
0: well there just has to be an evolution of thought mm. it has to it has to go somewhere mm-hmm. it has to be worth being a song if, yeah. there's, if there's nowhere to go then there's no reason to have a second verse no reason to have a second verse shouldn't have a
1: song and we have a lot of
0: <gasps> that's so songwriters in
1: town yeah yeah. we got a lot of new songwriters in town that, that understand the concept of a cool demo mm-hmm. sure and you wish it had a great lyric you know
0: I, I look at them all as being equally as important things you know if, if, if I just read the lyric on a piece of paper whatever that makes me feel like if I just heard the track by itself it should make me feel the same way They're, they each have feelings and they have to match together and if they do they dance together and you know it's a matter of playing with those puzzles until you find the ones that live together Yes. and you know just like when you're listening for songs the ones that smack you and you hear five other songs you're like let me play that other one again I can't quit thinking of that other one That's yeah. that, you know looking for that magic Formula.
2: You really now I see why Shannon married you. You are so sensitive. Well,
1: and I cook and I clean, and oh, that's why what? she really. That's why she really. Married. How long have you and Shannon been been together? Forty nine years.
2: Forty nine years. She looks amazing.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> you don't, no, we've eight but years, she, does she feels like
2: it's been forty nine. years? She does.
1: I, I, trust me, I can weigh on Shannon somebody.
2: Hatch. That's who we we're, we're speaking. Yep, of. Yep,
1: my beautiful, amazing wife. Do you try to give her credit for some of these songs just to kind of bring it home? Good. No, I or don't something? have to. It, they are about her, <laughs> especially.
0: I don't dance. It is. You know. I'm sure.
1: Good answer. Know, from
0: you know. I'm sure Lee's about Sarah and Dallas about his <laughs> wife. But, you know, but.
1: Yeah, in my house, it's about my wife. <laughs> but now you you got these three monster number ones, um, you know, and you won 2014, you know, C-SAC Songwriter of the Year, you know. So how is that? I mean, you, you're you're hearing your name, you're hearing these artists thank you, you're hearing you winning these big awards. I mean, dude, it's got to be overwhelming because your 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 journey is. It's through the streets. You know what I mean? Sure. I mean, I mean, you fought that pavement of Music Row. Sure. It's it. it and it was an amazing year. It was. I had, a, I had a, my first
0: kid was born that year. It was. I mean, I had a really strong year. And um, you go, man, I got to equal that. But you, it's not a lot of timing has to go right and a lot of things had to go.
2: Well, that's why you have to enjoy it. You You have have to to enjoy enjoy the the grind. You Mm -hmm. have to
0: enjoy the going in the room every day and fighting the puzzle and trying to figure it out because you just don't know when that magic year is going to happen. You don't know, you don't know what you had for breakfast that, that year or what you, you know, you, you, you you can't follow a pattern. You're, you're making it up as you go. I told my wife one time, I go, honey, you're not going to like this. A part of the happiness you'll have in your future depends on me making up some stuff that I've never thought of before. <laughs> I, said, I hope that terrifies you as much as it does me.
2: <laughs> But you guys are, speaking of teams, you and Shannon are a wonderful team.
0: We sure think so. I mean,
2: when, when I see you guys together, I mean, you can tell she is a fan of
0: yours. Yep. Well, and she's wife, so supportive. My wife is a super rock star and she, you know, she, uh, support songwriters in a way that most yes. people do not so um she was silly enough to marry one you would think she would know better
2: yeah, glutton for punishment
0: glutton for <laughs>
1: punishment so 2014 you cried a lot like a baby <laughs> i did i did i cried a lot well i cry a lot all the time it's not just that here i'm <laughs> Different really reason. i'm kind of a sober that's kind of you know that's kind of how i roll <laughs> so the newly bryce record yeah you got some action on there too man we got one of the
0: we got a song on there called "Songs in the Kitchen." That's probably one of my favorite songs that uh, I've written in a while. It it really, it's a s- snippet of my childhood and being around my grandmother's house. And 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 I know the same is for Lee and Lance. And uh, yeah, it's just one of my favorite things this year. I
1: think is that kind of your is that kind of who you've been writing a lot with these days? Is Lee, Lance, you know, are, are you getting in there with Jared any lately? Yeah,
0: we've been spreading it out a lot. So everybody's everybody's kinda of fire on all cylinders right awesome. now. So uh between, you know, some of the new kids, the Trey Landons and the Runaway Junes and the new, you know, kids we're looking at and
2: We see you a lot around the office. Who's your guy at Pier?
0: Oh, I love me some Jared Boyer. So, um you're the one. You're the hey, I'm one. I'm the guy. I, I'm, I'm the one who really likes him. I, 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 think, I think he's pretty fantastic. But y'all got some great writers over there, man. Y'all got a lot of cool guys over there. So Brandon just getting his number one, the first mm-hmm. number one, right? Yeah. Come on. Yeah. What a great song. Yeah. So, yeah, y'all build a heck of a
1: team over there. Well, you've so. always felt like part of our crew anyway. That's why
2: you carry such a great energy. Well, I, you, can, you know, pay?
1: everything except y'all paying me. I, I can't get y'all to pay hey, me.
2: I'm hey, I'm in the same boat. Okay? So, <laughs> You talk about carry your yeah, fiddle somewhere else. <laughs>
1: Michael's a gangster, man. I always uh-huh. felt like that if you paid an employee or a songwriter, then they'll quit trying. Or so, they'll just
2: expect it? Hey, but I,
1: but I promise y'all, when y'all retire, there's a check. Uh-huh. There's a check coming when I retire. There's a check coming for y'all. Uh-huh, yeah, I'll be there to check for it. <laughs> it won't be in that mailbox. won't be in that mailbox. <laughs> you better go get it out of that
0: casket. <laughs>
2: Guys, it's Shalacy. Check us out on the web at KnoxCountry360.com or on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at KnoxCountry360.
1: Do you like to get out and play? Do you, are, are you a writers' night guy? I, I don't mind doing writers'
0: nights. We play the Bluebird quite a bit. And yeah, we'll do shows, and uh, from time to time, it's I got a three-year-old and a five-year-old, so I try not to stay gone Ooh. all the time. And of course, hunting season comes up and.
1: Yeah, because there's a big kind of thing out there for songwriters that are like a songwriting tours and things sure. like that. Do you like doing those things? I sure. mean, I mean, because those are true songs. fans sitting there wanting to hear your version of big songs.
0: Absolutely. We 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 probably do eight or ten a year, and um, for the right price, we're willing to do a lot more so oh, uh, yeah we have a, a group of riders <laughs> we all get together and we'll end up traveling and
1: so what does that mean for the right price we'll do a lot more that means i for am the for right. sale <laughs> <laughs> if that wasn't clear i love
2: your sale. honesty <laughs> <laughs> no so what do you do for for fun you you mentioned hunting I, Is that... i'm
0: i'm a hunting fanatic now
2: are uh, you like a bow hunter or i
0: do i love to bow hunt and deer hunt. I own outfitter in um, southern Illinois with uh, myself and Lance Miller and uh, Steve Sork, uh, another buddy Jeff Blackford, but we have outfitters and the 10,000 acres and people come to hunt. Every time someone does a hunt, we it's only three and a half hours from Nashville so we, we'll guarantee a Professional songwriter show as part of it. So, so that
1: Luke Bryan oh, awesome. song, Hunting Fish and Loving Every Day, that's actually a thing? That's the real thing. That is the thing. That
0: is the that's the thing. So, yeah, it, it's, it's not faking. It's, it's, it's real.
2: No, is there something, do you love one over the other?
0: I grew up doing them all. For me, it's about being outdoors. Mm-hmm. I like my music organic. I like to be outside. I'd, I'd much rather be in nature mm-hmm. somehow. I'd rather ride outside, be outside.
1: So, your family, I mean, uh, your dad, mom, anybody, were they musically? Mm-hmm. absolutely not they're still shocked and have no idea why <laughs>
0: uh, i didn't well i never picked up a guitar till i was uh, i was 19 going to university of florida i guess called a fraternity brother of mine and he said uh i said man i'm gonna come learn how to play guitar today he said all right i came over and he showed me three
1: chords said i only needed to know two songs and that was that well you starting that late who was who was the thing that pointed you in that direction there
0: wasn't a point in that direction I had never met a uh, anyone who played sang or anything else I'm not really sure why I decided to do it I went and bought three songbooks: Willie Nelson Jim Croce and Alabama and it shows you where to put your fingers you know and um I'm a little obsessive so uh, I was two or three hours a day beating away at it and um went to a party, met a girl, and I wrote my first song about meeting that girl, and um, it worked how I hoped it would, not the song, but with the girl, yeah. and um, <laughs> I thought, man, man, I should try to do that again, so I wrote two or three more just for fun, and um, I got a phone call from this guy named Paul Rogers, who had, uh, uh, not bad company Paul Rogers, but uh, this guy named Paul Rogers from uh, Ocala, and uh, he called, he said, uh, man i hear you write songs i said well i don't know about all that and he said well i got one of the top bands around north florida we opened up for a lot of the big acts and he goes i'm trying to get a record deal he goes but i need original songs he goes and i want to do your songs on stage i told him well, only if i get to be in the band i thought it'd be great <laughs> if i pick up chicks you know so uh so my last there's the priorities again <laughs> see so my last three years at florida i was with them every weekend. Uh, doing shows and doing gigs kind of learning how to play live a little bit he called me one day he said man I need you to uh, come with me to Nashville I need to play for this guy I might give me a record deal and you're the only one knows all the original songs right?" I'd take the good guitar player <laughs> 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 so we loaded up and came up here and we played for the guy and uh, he didn't fall in love with the, the gig the bit but he said uh, who wrote them songs and he said uh, Rob wrote them and I never get looked that. he said, maybe you should be in Nashville. I said, people write songs for other people. He goes, some people do. <laughs> I said, okay. We leave and go to the bar from there, tin roof. I still remember the grand opening sign in front of it. We go in, first guy on the first bar stool is Jared Neiman. He introduces us. That was it. I came up two other weekends, met, ran into him both times. Slept on he and Perry Howard's couch for about three months, two months. And uh, had to get an apartment by myself for about four months. And then Jared and I moved together, and we were together about five years, I guess. Now, what did you go to school for? Ag Communications. I was the farm boy. Ag, ag, ag Communications and Public Relations. So, And I, had, I was there six and a half years, so... <laughs> I have about nine minors and uh, <laughs> everything you can think of. And, uh, yeah, you should have heard that conversation, me calling my dad.
2: I was about to say, no.
0: I had a gooseneck cattle trailer behind my truck loaded with all my furniture. And I called my dad going through Atlanta, which is about five hours out of uh, my hometown. And I said, hey, Pop, I'm moving to Nashville. to. I'm quitting school. I had two or three classes left where I graduated. <gasps> said, I'm quitting school and i'm moving to nashville to write songs for a living he said let me tell you something you little shit (laughs) he goes you turn that truck around bring that trailer home my dad owned the chevrolet dealership at the time said you come take over this dealership or i'll sell it i said well you can't jam me up go ahead and sell it if you need to sell it and uh he did shortly (laughs) after (laughs) and
1: you were like took
0: away my backup plan (laughs) (laughs) um but uh, then the economy tanked the year after that. So he's been retired since he was 53 or something like well, that. Well, he got
1: out at the right time. He nailed it. And then – see, but I love the full circle, man, about coming to Nashville and the first person you bumped into is Jared Neiman sitting right there. And then that's, that's right. your crew. And that, that, those first guys you met, it's kind of like junior high. That's right. It's kind of like meeting the
0: people who are in it together, the ones who have left whatever comfort they had and the people they knew and the security of that to – Come up here and test it and yeah. see how big a boy are you?
1: But back then, Ten Roof was the place to meet those guys.
0: It was. I met uh, I met Jared on uh, uh, it was a grand opening weekend, and um, <laughs> can't believe I can tell this story. We walk in and he's got this big cowboy hat and he's got this smoking hot blonde. And she's licking all over, him, <laughs> all over. Um, well, he might have spilled like some right. Alcohol, he might, huh? have spilled, some, might have spilled. Somebody whiskey all over him, and um, he. Um, the guy that brought us in introduces us and Jared goes, What do you drink? And I said, Crown Royal. And he said, Ten shots of Crown Royal. He kills about five of them. He goes, Those are yours. <laughs> we have a few. We head to Tin Roof. He goes, You got the guy we're with is like, you gotta hear this guy sing. He's unbelievable. You go to Tin Roof, he pays the guy like hundred bucks to get Jared on stage. He's packed. It's packed. Friday night, 10 Tootsie's just absolutely packed. He gets on stage, and he's, we're drunken up this time. He almost falls off the front and catches himself on the microphone. Stands himself up and still sings today the most perfect version of I Never Go Around Mirrors I've ever heard. Tootsies went silent, and just a hundred drunks piled in there and went absolutely silent. You could have heard a pin drop. Yeah. And I just remember going, that's the most amazing thing I've ever seen. Yeah. I was like, that's, that's when I decided whatever team that cat's on (laughs) i want to learn that because
1: i've never seen anybody
0: do that he didn't even remember it the next day
1: well dude it's awesome having you here it's my pleasure you know i've known you a long time from wild horse to three number ones to today you know so i appreciate you coming in man and kind of telling us your story and everything this is great i love you bro my pleasure anytime Lacy, you're the best. You know? Thank you. Mr. Rob Hatch, multiple number ones, award-winning songwriter. Thank you for being here.
0: Knox Country.
1: Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Knox Country podcast. Special thanks go out to co-host Miss Lacy Griffin and producer Donnie Walker. See you next time. You've entered Knox Country Outtakes.
2: Now you're not off the hook.
1: Nope. Now you got to do other things like it's Boring spontaneous. Crap. Now the Speedo.
2: Yep.
0: <laughs> we ain't going to talk about the stripper days, then we just going to move on.
2: Yours or his?
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was a different wild horse. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, this is Rob Hatch, owned and certified property of Miss Shannon Hatch. <laughs> but 10,000 acres, man, that's huge. That's a lot of space. That means a lot of big deer. It is a,
2: and that's the property you guys have. Uh it's you bring?
0: That's called Southern Illinois Whitetail Connection, and it's just a big trailer park. (laughs) Trailer park, trailer park with basketball goals and hitting cages. And I mean, you could have done it a little deeper, a little uh, more meaningful. Hey, we're here with Robbie
2: Hatch. (laughs) (laughs) Your part was great,
1: Rob. (laughs) We're here with little Robbie Hatch (laughs) on the (laughs) Wild Horse Bartending Days. Come on, little Robbie, talk to (laughs) us. Country Podcast Edition